welcome back to Era Viper Trail Talk Live, episode 74. I am your host, Jamil Curry. We're here in Era Viper Studios, and we've got an exciting show today. We have two of our Havilene 100 finishers from this last weekend. We're doing a an entire Havilene 100 recap show. Really excited about this one. Bryce, have you recovered yet from the weekend? I have recovered. I got quite a bit of sleep, luckily, um, but I also didn't run 100 miles, so yeah, my recovery is probably a little quicker. Nice. Well, we are joined today by two guests. One here is in studio with us, Brittany Edmiston, mm -hmm. and she is a local here to the Phoenix area, lives in Mesa, has been running for 20 years and ultras for six years, and this is was her first 100 miler. Yes, sir. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk to her shortly, and then later in the show we're gonna speak with Joe Carcione, and he, I actually don't know a lot about Joe, but I understand he's a podcast host. He was uh, he placed top ten, so he is um, uh, really fast and uh, was mixing it up at the front of the field. So we'll be excited to talk to him as well. Yep. Do you have any more intro on him? Uh, Joe, so Joe runs, uh, has everyday ultra podcast. That's right. And he's had some really cool guests on there. He's got a really good thing going. I listen to him on Spotify. I know he's all over, but, uh, local runner, uh, for Havelina. I know he was doing like Pemberton loops every single weekend, like multiple of. So I think he probably knows the course as well as anybody out there. He might've had more training on the course than anyone this year leading yep. into the race. So we're super excited to talk to both of our guests today. Uh, and as all of you know, who tune into the show, we like to cover a wide range of topics on trail talk. So we're going to kind of get to all of that. Um, you know, we've introed our guests now and man, just in general, want to just thank everyone in the community for coming out to the 20th edition of Havelina or taking part, even if you were just watching remotely and being part of that experience. This is a special race for me, for all the Aravipa team, and for us to be able to celebrate with everyone was just so great. I think for me, there was quite a few highlights, and, and we'll talk to each guest as well about their highlights. Um, for me, I think my highlight was having Jerry Kay, the founder of the race, at the event this year, and she took part in a lot of different ways. She helped start the 100 miler. She was volunteering out at Jackass Junction overnight, and then she also came out to the awards ceremony and was there for the golden hour. So it was really cool to see that uh, and to see kind of, you know, having a female founder and also a female race director, I think is really cool. To me, that was a big, a big highlight. Um, Bryce, what was your maybe top moment or, or highlight this year? Wow, it's uh, a tough one. Uh, I mean, just seeing some of the finishers come through, uh, I mean, it's always like so special and it's such a crazy atmosphere. I guess if there's like one moment that kind of like makes me think Havelina, it's probably the start of the Jackass race. It's just so crazy. You have like the fire dancers and you have all the lights going and the music playing and the bass and yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just an absolute party. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of energy at the start of the hundred miler, but I think there's just even more energy at the start of the jackass night trail, just because the party's been going on all day. Right. And just something about sunset and heading into the night, the anticipation of the first finishers. That's so true. Um, I want to kind of kick things off talking about our having a content this year. Um, I wanted to chat with Bryce a little bit about that. We tried to do something a little different that we haven't done before, and maybe we'll recap what we tried to do and how we thought it went. So we, we wanted to do some real 
some real time, in addition to the live stream, some real time video coverage. And we put out, I think about maybe seven to nine YouTube videos throughout the course of the event. We had a few pre-race quick interviews with some folks. We had some recaps from each loop that Tony Hill and Brandon Stutzman put together. And then we also had the finish videos and our golden hour video, which was, I thought, just really well done on Brandon's part. Um, we were we had a couple other ideas that we didn't quite get to, which we're excited to debut. Some kind of sit down podcasts with multiple folks. Um, but yeah, how do you think it went overall, Bryce? Like overall, I thought, I mean, compared to what we've done in the past with our live streams specifically, like the coverage was amazing. Like, I mean, looking at the view, like the cameras weren't nearly as choppy, laggy. We had a lot more coverage of the race as far as drone operators. The live stream volunteers did really well. I mean, thank you to all the volunteers out at Havelina, but the live stream volunteers crushed it. Tony Hill and like the rest of our filming crew, like it's amazing what they did and how fast they were able to, to bring that back and turn it into a video on site and then post that out on social media. Yeah, the turnaround time was impressive. I mean, I mean, Tony, I think for one of them, he was out at Jackass, he filmed and edited out there and got it uploaded, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, one thing we did different this year with the live stream is we brought in some outside internet coverage as well to try and get that, get those feeds a little cleaner. So, um, oh yeah, we've got some of Tony's here on screen behind us. This was a coyote camp, I think maybe loop three in the afternoon. So it just gives a different perspective from the live stream, a little higher quality. And I love that he was talking with some of the athletes too. I think that was really cool to get a sense of how they, how they were out there. Um, but overall, I mean, Havelina this year, we had a little bit cooler temperatures than normal, which led to some fast times. We had three course records between, and actually, I don't know if we set course records in the 31 K, I guess it's possible. I didn't uh, take a look at so those. I, I know Rari, Rari ran, uh, he has the course record, I believe from last year. Okay. And I think it was a little bit slower than his run from last year, but he still got first place. Nice. Um, but we had both hundred K's. We saw new course records, including a Courtney DeWalter record went down, which is pretty wild. So shout out to Lottie and she was spent at the finish line. She was there's, I think there's a video of that specifically up and yeah, you can check that out. And then, you know, Dakota Jones, just an unbelievable run. So he was not on course record pace. I think at any point throughout the day and even into that last lap, he was, I think about 10 to 15 minutes behind Arlen or behind Pat Reagan's right. course record going into the fifth lap. And even at the remote point, I think he was still maybe seven minutes behind and he ended up breaking the course record by three minutes and broke 13 hours for the first time ever, which is something I was thinking was in the realm of possibility. Right. And I mean, he came through like probably 10 minutes to 15 minutes before we were expecting to see him. So thank goodness Tony Hill is Tony just was ready. It. We were not ready. We basically <laughs> ran out of the trailer, the media trailer, and he was done. So it was caught us all by surprise. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and that, yeah, kind of moving on next, our next little segment here, lottery season's upon us. So we just had Hard Rock open about a week ago, and Western States just opened yesterday. And Brittany... You just finished your first hundred, your yep. first Western States qualifier. Yes, sir. Uh, did you put in for the Western Lottery? A hundred percent. Nice. Yes. <laughs> you, you got that first ticket rolling. How yes. does that feel? Um, 
I swear the way my luck works, I'm going to get it and I'll give it my all if I get it. <laughs> but that'd so. probably be a little, little nerve wracking going right into it. Maybe not. Oh, hell no. Nice. Oh, hell, are you kidding me? Western <laughs> States? Oh my God. <laughs> well, you were telling me before we started the show, you used to live out in the Auburn area. Yeah, so that's, those are my of, trails. Part of the Western States yeah. ecosystem already. Absolutely. I raced on them all the time. I ran on them all the time. It's just like the McDowell's for me. So absolutely, I'd be thrilled to do it. But And if I don't, I'll just keep putting it in and hopefully yeah. crew somebody. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, with Hard Rock this year, um, I did want to touch real quick on the Hard Rock Lottery as I thought there was something really cool that was happening in the community that was crowdsourced by Stephanie Case. So with the way that the lottery works now, the number of women women's spots that are available to racers is in proportion to the number of women that apply for the race. So of course you have to run a qualifier and then you have to apply. So the more women that apply, uh, the more spots will be available and there were a few women that were, I think, speaking out saying that they maybe didn't feel ready or for whatever reason, maybe wouldn't be able to run this next year. But the more that apply, the more spots that are available. So Stephanie Case said, hey, if you apply and you can't run it, Hard Rock will give you a 50% refund because they're gonna charge a credit card. So that's a hurdle. Um, and she said, hey, I will, I will throw it out there the first if there's five women out there that apply and can't run it for whatever reason, she will cover that additional 50% uh, that is not covered by the race, which I thought was super cool. And then it seemed, there was more people that chimed in and said they would also sponsor some spots. So I think that there's up to 25 or 30 um, of these kind of 50% refunds. So it's really like there's no reason not to apply and to, to boost up those spots. So I just want to you know, make a call maybe out there. If, if you're a woman out there and you ran a hard rock qualifier, you know, keep that in mind that even if you can't run it, it kind of does help the cause and increase those spots. So I think we all want to see more women on the start line of hard rock. Um, so that's my, that's my plug for that. And then as far as Western States goes, I think there was already like 4,000 applicants as of like yesterday, which is wild. Is there really? Yeah. Hard Rock, I think, already has a couple thousand. So it, it's tough, you know, like there's these, you know, these historic races that everyone wants to run and there's just so many spots available. So it's tough. Fortunately, there's a lot of great races out there. Yep. So. Yep. Especially around that time. I mean, in Colorado, they've got URA, Run Rabbit Runs, not too far after it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we get into, we're going to get to Brittany's story real quick. Thanks for bearing with us, but we do want to talk about a couple other, uh, big events happening in the space out there. So the golden trail world series, I believe it's wrapped up at this point. Yes. Um, it just took place this last week and this was a five day stage race in Madeira, which is an Island in the Atlantic ocean, part of Portugal. And the way they had it set up, you could earn points each of the five different days. You didn't have to race every single stage, which is kind of cool and kind of strategic. You could kind of piece it together. And so to me, the story of the week is Allie Mack. So coming from Colorado and she is just, the evolution of Allie Mack has been amazing to see, you know, obviously a talented runner for many years, but I think last couple of years struggled a bit with maybe injury or not trying to pull it all together. Um, you're going to maybe try and pull something up here. Yeah. But she, 
she's really put it together in the last year. I mean, she has been just crushing it, I think, from Pike's Peak last year with the Ascent, uh, Broken Arrow, her wins there, and then what she's done on, on the global stage with the Golden Trail World Series. She won, what did she do this year? Did she win? Was it Pike, Pike's Peak? Did she win? She placed no, she, she well. Placed. I can't remember now. I did not do my research. I, I apologize. She, but yeah. she was she was just crushing it. Uh, and, Mount Marathon. That's yeah. She ran. Oh yeah, Mount Marathon. That was a huge one. It's course record at Mount Marathon. That was an that was a head turner right there. And then you know what she did at Sky Peaks. And so she won the first stage of the Madeira race, and I believe the last stage. That sounds right. Yeah. And. In, Harley Quinn makeup. Is that yeah, so the last stage, she was full-on Harley Quinn, uh, just like... Smiling. Like, she was, oh. like, glowing the whole time. <laughs> oh, gosh. You could just tell, like, she's, like, evolved. Like, that's yeah. her persona. Yeah. It's... it's confident and happy to be out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't it's think pretty the, amazing. The, I think we could find some pictures of her actually running here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, she's got kind of the <laughs> eye makeup on, and I think that was from, yeah... That's the only oh yeah, there she is. She's got like her hair all <laughs> painted up. Yeah, she crushed. It was cool to see. And I was the other video here. It's basically a sound clip of her saying that as she was running the stairs, there's a stair section during the race. She fell back on her. Uh, Where's she from? Manitoba Springs. The Manitou. The, the Manitou incline. incline. She said as she was running up it, she was almost at sea level, so she was not even like breathing hard. No lactic acid mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. Just like. She's like used to racing up the incline stairs at 7,000 to 9,000 feet. And right. so you put her at sea level. Yeah. It's nothing. Right. That's amazing. But yeah, it's been really cool. Um, I mean, Brittany, you've, have you watched much of the Golden Trail World Series yeah. this year? <laughs> like, what is your take, um, maybe being you know, a little bit newer to the sport? Uh, do, you, do you like what they're doing, kind of focusing on that elite end and like middle distance? Has it been fun to watch? Oh, it's so fun. Um, we just want, you know, it's like watching a moon landing. <laughs> it's the coolest damn thing. You can, you know, you can be an amateur star person, like watching the astronauts do it. It's like watching astronauts do it. It's amazing. And the, the women in this are just, I mean, not to only talk about women, but like, holy cow, they're fast. And it's like, this is like our only sport where we're like competitive, like against the men. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's no offense to ultras, but it's cool to see athletes pushing themselves and testing themselves on these mountain courses at like a middle distance um, where they are basically pushing hard, kind of balls to the wall for a couple hours here racing in the mountains. And it is so stacked and so competitive. It's just, I think it's just great for the sport to see it. These athletes are, you know, motivated by, you know, not only the prize money, but I think the prestige. I mean, Ali Mack has catapulted herself through this series onto the global stage Obviously, we all know her quite well, but I think she now has a whole new audience of people that that are gonna be excited to follow her trajectory as a a pro athlete. I would agree, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think she's running any better than she has been like in the last year or two. But she's yeah on that bigger spotlight, running those bigger races, things like uh, the vertical. I mean, I guess last year she really broke into it with uh, with Broken Arrow uh, when she won the vertical kilometer and. Yeah, she went, what, I think she won two out of the three races. Right. The VK and the 52K, I think. Was that this year or last year? That was last year, was like last, last year. October. It was like yep. a year ago. That was a big move. Um, if, can we jump over to Joe real quick? I'm curious yeah. to hear. I know we haven't really put him on the screen yet. Let's, um, let's bring let's him see. in here. 
let's see if he can hear us and and chime in. Joe, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Awesome, I can hear you as well. Um, what's your take on the Golden Trail World Series just as a participant and kind of fan of the sport? Do you, do you like what they're doing out there? Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm also relatively newer to the sport as well. So like, it's so cool to like hear these new races. And I think the golden trail series is one that's just like so exciting. And like that you get such an amazing caliber as runners, as Brittany mentioned before, that are just so fast and so talented and just so inspirational. And I think it leads to like such a format too, where it kind of shake things up a little bit, right? It's not kind of like you're uh, like a standard ultra, so to say, like a, a big race, so to say it's has that stage race kind of format. So I, I think it shakes things up a little bit and makes it interesting. And um, I always love diving in and take so much inspiration and have so much respect for anyone who throws their hat in the ring for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a great point. Circling back to the lottery real quick, Joe, did you uh, happen to put your name in the hat for Western States? A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason why I came out to, to Havelina. I mean, granted it's right in my backyard, super close, but uh, I really, I wanted to get the golden ticket. I knew it was a big, uh, big stretch ahead of me, right? This was the first time I'd ever competed really in like a, a field this deep or even relatively this deep. So that was like my A goal, uh, clearly didn't make it, but I was like, okay, got a, uh, got a ticket out of it at least, uh, where I can put in the lottery and see what happens. I only have one. So chances are absolutely slim. Um, yeah. but I'll be, uh, I'll be making my, uh, effort again to go for another golden ticket next year for sure. So we'll see. That's awesome. It's all a journey, but you got the, got the journey started there. hundred percent. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Sweet. Um, well, now we're going to shift gears to another big event happening. So the the Trail World Championships is taking place this weekend. And um, I, again, did not do all my research on this one. So oh. Bryce might need to help jump in. But yeah, the let's... Trail World Champs is happening. So this is the this is actually going to be a combined Trail World Championships and World Mountain Running Championships. So it's it's probably going to feel quite confusing. I know it's quite confusing to me, um, but there are some global mountain running and trail running organizations that help kind of guide our sport. And one of them being the, uh, man, which one is this coming from? Obviously the world mountain running, uh, is one group world mountain running association. And then we also have world athletics. We also have International Trail Running Association and also the International Association of Runner Ultra Runners. So these are all these associations that help link and tie our sport together. A lot of them oftentimes have their own championships that are kind of scattered throughout the the world. And some of them have been on hold for a couple of years. So I went to one in Portugal in 2019. I think it might have been the last World Champs. Um, they had athletes from all over the world. The U.S. selects their team, I believe, through USA Track and Field to send a contingency over. And here we are in 2022, and they've decided to combine them all. So they're going to have an entire weekend of events. There is, I think, for a lot of us in the ultra space, the 80K or 50-mile race is going to be the big one to watch. And that seems to be a lot of the focus for some of the, the bigger names, especially in the U.S. So I figured we would go through some of the big names to watch out for and then we'll probably recap it next week do you have anything yep. to add to that uh i got the american team on the screen behind you uh oh, specifically nice. pulled up 
Yeah, perfect. So there's the US team. So this is, is this for? I believe this is for the 80K. Uh, this is okay. down here at the bottom. Oh, I see. This uphill. is for the uphill. So Got maybe, it. maybe go down the line. Cause I think Adam Peterman is, let's see. So these are all the different ones. So like Ali Mack is going to be there. It looks like, um, this is the world. Is it the 50? trail long? Maybe the last one. See, there's a bunch of different races happening. Try the trail long and go to the bottom, or maybe you have to sort by Three US. At the top. So tons of countries competing here. Yeah, Adam Peterman. So this is the 80K list right here. You got Eric LaPuma, who's been out at Black Canyon before. You've got Jeff Colt. I believe he was also at West. Black Canyon. Oh, you're right. He yep. was like one away, I think, from the golden ticket. Yep. And you've got uh, Addie Bracey here, Brittany Charbonneau. You've got Caitlin Gerben, Leah Yingling. Oh, yeah. Did she did she run at Black Canyon as well? I think most, most of them did, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Jennifer Lichter, she just won the Broken Arrow this year. Oh. Kind of a newer name. She runs for North Face. Got it. So, yeah, that's the full... Strong team. Yep. Very strong team. So, this one's going to be pretty crazy. So, and we've got... I'm, I've got the I Run Far list here, so we can run through some of the top athletes. We've got Adam Peterman, um, of course making a splash onto the scene. I think this is going to go a long way probably to uh, his Ultra Runner of the Year bid. So, yeah, winning, what, Speed Goat, JFK, uh, Canyons, and Western States all in the last year is a, a crazy rookie season. <laughs> oh, Jeff Colt did get a golden ticket at Black Canyon. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I should have known better. He got the last one there. Yep. Um, let's see here. Yeah, the last one they say was the 44K race in Portugal in 2019. And it looks like, you know, this is a team championship, so that's kind of cool. You are competing with your team. And it looks like France, Great Britain, and Spain won that year for the men's team. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You guys can check out the list. There's just too many names to go through. And I think most of us are probably not familiar with most of the international field, but it's going to be fun to see. David Sinclair is another big name in the U.S. here uh, that has been on fire this year doing a lot of the big mountain races. I think he bagged Broken Arrow, Speed Goat, and The Rut. I think he got wins at all those this year. Dang, okay. Yeah, stout. And then for the women, let's see here. Let's see if Joe has any, any takes on this. I'll plug him in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you have any takes on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so excited to see what Adam Peterman does. I mean, like, let's just talk about one of the most electric stories in trail running over the past year. I think it's Adam Peterman. I mean, coming in, smashing the record at Speed Goat, going into his first 100K at Canyons, going in there, ripping it, getting that golden ticket at first place. And then his first 100 miler in a very quick turnaround, which people don't talk around too much. Like, not only was his first 100 miler, but he turned it around quick to get the win at uh, Western States. So I think it's so cool to just see him like compete on this global level right now. Um, 
and to to put his hat in like such a unique place. So I'm I'm just super stoked to to see what Adam Peterman does because I think it's like the most electric story in trail running we've seen, you know, in 2022 for sure. Yeah, it's a great point. And you know, he yeah, he's had just like a his rise has been up and to the right, just incredible. And it's it's interesting, you know, he he could have gone straight to UTMB or one of those races. He decided to focus on the Trail World Championships instead and It'd be fun to see how he stacks up globally as he's obviously been dominant in North America so far. Yeah, 100%. And it's like super cool to see him like go into like these because, you know, the the race he's doing is in Thailand, very humid, very different conditions to where, you know, he lives in Missoula, Montana, too. So I think he plays it very smart in the way to like learn his adaptations, despite, you know, living in a place that's completely different. I mean, Western states, for an example, right? Missoula had a pretty cold, uh, you know, uh, summer, so to say, at least from what I've heard, cold and wet. And, you know, Western States is not a very cold race, as we all know. So to see him master that, like, it's going to be cool to see how that plays out again in terms of his skill and managing his environment at uh, Thailand as well. So I'm super pumped for it. Nice. Moving on to the women, um, we'll have Blandine here on La Hirondelle, and she won the 2019 Trail Champs. So she will uh, be representing France, it looks like, here in Thailand and she also won ccc so she's going to be gearing up pretty well there dominica stelmach will also be racing she is the one who was second place at black canyon this year had a great run uh azara garcia um and i forget her name on instagram but she is she's a, got a big following i think she's from spain yep as far as the women go, we got Caitlin Gerben, I think, like we mentioned before. So third place finish at 2022 UTMB. So we'll see how she recovers from that one heading into this race. And let's look at the teams. So the teams from 2019 that, that placed on the podium, France, Spain, and Romania. So I think France, what, France and Spain won. I think they were one and two, I think, for the men and women. And let's see what other women from the US, we've got Addie Bracey, who won Speed Goat 50K this year. Brittany Charbonneau, that will be interesting. So she won the 2022 Lake Sonoma 50 mile, and that was her first time running 50 miles. So I think she could do a lot of damage up there as well. We've got Leah Yingling as well. Uh, second at Canyons this year, third at Bandera. And, oh, it looks like Jennifer Lichter is no longer running. So that's kind of your women's lineup. It'll be it'll be fun to watch both these play out. Um, I'm sure it looks like Iron Far will be covering the event. I'm not sure if there's a live stream or not. I haven't so, heard that either. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's move on. That wraps up that piece of it. Um, and... Now we want to get to our guest today. So Brittany, maybe you can tell us, um, let's start first off um, how, give us a little bit about your running background and then we'll get right into Havelina. Yeah, well, okay. So um, when I was 15, uh, my friend's mom was doing the Arthritis Foundation uh, like charity run for Amsterdam. And I was like, all I have to do is run to go to Amsterdam. I, what are we What are we doing? Like, let's go, let's go. So I self-trained, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, ran a marathon in Tucson actually, and 
didn't go to Amsterdam because I didn't raise the money because I was a child and gotcha. didn't feel comfortable asking adults for money. And then just like so never you ran stopped. your first marathon in your teens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a bloodbath. And then I was like, well, as long as I can go slow, I can run forever, which is pretty much what I did. And then I found out like, oh, you, there's races where you can run forever. Um, and right around then, like I finished Tucson and then saw like, um, I think it, I was on Facebook at the time and the Jack, uh, what's it called? Havelina's like, I don't remember the guy's name, but somebody was wearing shorts with no ass in him. And I was yeah. like, that's the race I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's it. They, they get it. What was that? Like 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Like you uh, probably the, saw the website where there was like a bare fake butt on the homepage. There was multiple people who oh, cut really? the cheeks out of their shorts yeah. and they were running uh-huh and i was like that's it that's they get it <laughs> that's hilarious and ever yeah since i then, think yeah. i know what you're talking about there was like david bliss like back in the early days of javelina yeah. like wore this costume with a, a blonde wig and then he wore like a fake butt and was like running through the desert and that was for i think the first three or four or five years of javelina that was the the website image. Oh, so you probably go to the Wayback Machine and see if you can find it. I bet I can. I loved it. And then it <laughs> anyways, was whoever one of those kids from the Coconino Cowboys was doing it. And oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, but I was like, that's the vibe. I'm like, it seemed impossible to me to do hundred miles at the time, but I was like, one day I'm gonna do that. Um, and then yeah, like, so I've always wanted to do Havelina hundred, and then it was just a matter of like getting the guts to do it, and then actually got entry at the holiday raffle at the at the um holiday for air viper group, the air run. Viper group yeah, run i lost my freaking mind i was so excited um committed completely thoroughly to the training and yeah it was the best it was so good <laughs> that is awesome and so okay so you kind of you won this raffle yeah won a free entry to happily 100 and then start training what was your build-up like this year did you do any other races or so uh, yeah so i pretty much typically will have about four ultras per year and then this year right going up to it i broke my foot at black canyon so i got into 20 miles and my foot was giving me problems before but then it, yeah the heel bone broke during the race um so i didn't fully recover and get out of the boot until about april um and then yeah it's just uh i did tahoe was my first like can i can my foot hold up race and it did amazing my mental stuff mindset was awesome um so pretty much july was the the tahoe and then went straight into a pretty rigorous training plan with my coach eve with rising mountain coaching nice and just stuck to it like religiously and a lot of strength training a lot a lot of strength training and like pt so yeah so you did that big, was it like a 50 mile at Tahoe? It was, um, it was a 55 K and then like four more miles because gotcha. <laughs> the course was funky. <laughs> nice. Um, did you do any other long runs into the fall leading up to Havelina? Did you get out on the course much? Yeah. So I did Pemberton quite often. I actually saw Stephanie flipping out there a couple of times too, like with her husband on his bike and stuff. And she was, I was just like, this is great. And she's like, like so fast, just like speeding by. Um, I did a lot of Pemberton and then, um, I try to do as much heat training as humanly possible. Um, I feel like I held up pretty good this year. You know, like accumu it accumulates where every year's just like a little bit easier. And I feel like I got my salt on target. Um, pretty much every weekend was 20 miles plus for the long run and then back to backs. Nice. Pretty Had normal. you been out to Havelina in past years to oh, kind yeah. of know what to expect? Oh yeah. 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 Pretty much every year. Yeah. So I'm either there supporting a friend or, you know, I did do the hundred K, but yeah, any chance I can get out there, I love it. 
Nice. So now, um, yeah, flash forward to race day. You want to break down like how your race went as a first time hundred mile runner? Yeah. Um, I feel like mine might not be super duper typical, but I was just like, if you let a golden retriever off leash, that was me up until about mile 50. You know, I let everybody pass me who wanted to pass me because it was my own race. And I just kind of thought of myself as like, I'm a dog. I'm just a happy little dog. I'm just going. I'm loving this. Uh, there, there's another person I admire. There's another person I admire and just like took it in. And then around fi mile 50, I was like, oh, it's really late. <laughs> I have to do this all over again. That's really intimidating. I got a little bit scared. And then, you know, like when the temperature drops, your stomach turns. So that was it was some it was a mess for a little bit stomach wise for mile 50 to 60 but i did notice like okay so it would hurt really really bad and then it would go away and i was like oh i can do this it's like a bike pedal so it goes like up i'm good and then down i'm good but i'm still going forward so it doesn't really matter if it's bad because i know it's going to get good in about 20 minutes so just all right i hear you and then i'd hear the voice that's like i want you to quit this sucks i hate it and i'm like i really hear you I get it. It really does suck. We'll talk about this at 5 p.m. at our appointment after the race. I'm going to listen to you. I promise <laughs> at, after the race, but we're going to do this now. <laughs> and so I just kind of, you know, to, told, listened to the voice and then said, okay, no, I got you. I got you. We're going. And just tried to keep as like dumb, like really dumb, just like as dumb as I could possibly be and just kind of like flow through it. Um, and then towards the very, very end, like that last, like right when you leave Rattlesnake, my, my, lungs started getting like a little bit like huffy like because <gasps> of the dirt it's like the last four miles basically yeah because i was trying to make sure i was like didn't know what i was at with the cutoffs because i wouldn't let anybody tell me i was like just don't tell me where i'm at i don't need to know um but i was a little bit worried about cutoffs at that point um so i was pushing it but other than that the second i started i saw like the tips of the tents i was like it's really happening <laughs> and like started crying and just like kept running and it was great and then yeah that last that last shoehorn was just like oh it was so cool i'd visualized it like so many times and then it just happened <laughs> it was so cool that's awesome tell some big emotions <laughs> yeah. there for sure i think that was really interesting for you to say and like anticipating the highs and lows i think that is super important for people that are new to the sport like yeah. understanding that you need to kind of ride those waves as yeah. they come because they are going to come but it doesn't always just keep getting worse. Yeah. It's like it is a wave. Yeah. Well, and the pain, I feel like honestly, the pain of it got to the worst at around 20 miles and then just stayed there. I was like, well, I know this pain. Like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, I know you're here. We're good, you know? <laughs> it sounds like you try and disassociate to maybe some of the pain with how you're feeling. Do you want to talk about that? Um, Like just, I'm very familiar with physical pain and I know what it, like now I know what it feels like when a bone is broken. And like, don't come to me unless you are broken. Like, I don't have time to think about this. We don't need it. Because the second you let yourself get negative and the second you let yourself go feel bad for yourself, that's all you want to think about. It's like a, it's like addicting. So you kind of have to like not even let yourself. It's like a AA addict. Like you can't like take a sip. <laughs> like you just like, I can't. Sorry. Later I will, but not right now. Um, and yeah, I really do feel like it was like shutting off disassociating and shutting off and like that seems kind of like unhealthy but it's really good for an ultra marathon <laughs> like in my real life i face my emotions <laughs> sure yeah you just kind of like maybe like be in robot mode like just keep, oh yeah i thought keep of, you the know robot those like um forward. those rock um rock and roll santas 
Yeah. That's what I was at the end. I was like, whatever. I'm not, you couldn't make me go faster or slower than this. <laughs> like, How did you do with, I guess, cause you finished in the golden hour, I believe. Yeah. And so you're out there over 29 hours. How did you deal? Did you have any sleep deprivation issues? Did you get real tired or was that okay for you? Well, that was another thing that came in waves too. I'd be like, I'm so tired. I feel dizzy. And then I'm like the next minute, like I took like, you know, ate something and I was like, what was I complaining about? Like, how was I tired then, but not now? Um, I hallucinated some buses around <laughs> Rattlesnake and I was positive. I saw him. I'm like, my pacer, Sean, was with me and I was like, oh, wow, that many people DNF? They need that many school buses to get them out of here? And she's like, I, I don't think I know what you're talking about. I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> if that happened, I didn't know about it. Yeah, there were. Well, then, I mean, I saw it like, you know, like when you have a hallucination and you look away and you look back, it's gone. I looked away and looked back. And I'm like, no, they're right there. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. The time really flew by. Like, I can't express how bad I wanted this that I could not care less how long it took. You know, I was just so happy and grateful to be out there, you know? Nice. Uh, Brittany, we've got a question in the chat for you. Yeah. What was your energy fuel, like, go-to in the last quarter of the race? Does that mean, like, food or, like, caffeine? Yes. I forgot my caffeine. Um, I forgot my run gum. So it was... Towards the last part of the race, it was honestly like the excitement of the sunrise, the second sunrise. Um, and I was really diligent about eating. Um, even if I didn't want to, I made sure I was on top of my, my calories and my drinking. That was another thing. The voice that was like, I don't want to eat. I'm like, oh, that's sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty typical. Like the whole race was pretty much the same. I didn't really overdose on caffeine or anything like that or... My dad asked me if I took amphetamines. I'm like, Ex what? <laughs> no, that's. Legal. I am a fan of run gum in ultras. It's just it a helpful. nice boost. Well, you and can I just find like it. put it up in your gum and you don't have to taste it. Mm. I liked that that because you don't have spit after a while, so it's like this yeah. sucks, <laughs> and then it falls apart into crumbles. So <laughs> yeah, they, it is a little crumbly for sure. <laughs> so yeah, you stick it up in your pouch and it kind of. Did you have any learnings or takeaways? you know, after running your first hundred, maybe things that you would do different or things you would 100%. tell someone that's going into their first hundred. Well, okay. If some, those are two things that are slightly sure. different. Sure. The thing I would tell somebody who's doing it is you, you have to decide you're going to finish it and you can't veer from that whatsoever. The second you stop, you have to decide and not let it be anything else. Can't be any doubt. There can't be, you can't question it and you can't like not even for a second. And if when the thought comes in, you swat it away. Um, and if you don't have that resolve, you're not going to do it. But if you tell your body, we're going to do this, it's going to fall. How through. much of it is mental? Uh, 90, 90%, 90%. I had 20 mile runs where I was like, oh, I can't do this. This is so hard. And then I'm out there. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, I guess we're doing this. Like as long as you tell your body, we're doing this, it's going to do it. It's really cool. So that's the big thing I learned too, is like, all you have to do is tell your body what to do and it's going to do it. Um, and then, yeah, the thing I, I, if like oh my gosh if i can afford to do it this next year i am going to work on my turnover on my hiking um i like um my hiking is you're like your hiking speed or walking yeah, speed my cadence okay. needs to go up quite yeah, a bit yeah. i feel like i could shave off five hours if i could just improve that one thing interesting because it adds up yeah it does and it, you know the majority of us are not running every step of these hundred mile races or any of these ultras but that's a great point you know if you can i mean if you could walk at 15 minutes yeah. per mile that's four miles an hour i mean that's like 24 you're good hour to pace. go yeah. you're good to go yeah and i felt like my running pace i was the same i was very consistent with my running pace but the where i lost my time 
was on the hikes and I did you know I did hike with purpose and I remember telling my pacers I'm like I know it doesn't look like it but I'm actually putting my full effort into this so that really tells me that like I need to work on my strength and my hip flexors and everything to like get that cadence stronger interesting uh one more question for you Brittany yeah from Jeff congrats thank you what was your longest training run uh 26 miles 26 miles yeah nice yeah um, let's hop over, let's bring Joe into the mix a little bit here. Maybe, um, I'd love to hear from him, his journey to Havelina hundred. And as he mentioned earlier in the show, he was going for that golden ticket. And so, yeah, if he can hear us, we'd love to hear from him. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, well, thanks again for having me on. I mean, first of all, the race, I mean, just an incredible spectacle. Like anyone watching right now, if you haven't done it, if you're like considering doing it, like do it, like it is an environment like no other, but yeah, Jamel, as you, as you mentioned, I went into this race wanting to get the golden ticket, uh, knew it was a stack field, like I mentioned before, and just kind of laid it all out there and, uh, you know, gave it my very best. And I had, I, I think a very, very good day, like 90 for 95% of everything went well. I think it was just that one 5% that kind of held me back a little bit. Plus like minus, you know, some experience going up against guys like a uh, Pat Reagan or uh, Arlen Glick or any of these guys who, you know, have not only been in the sport for a while, but just know the course. Well, um, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement, but overall I had such an awesome day out there and it was, it was a blast. That's awesome. Do you want to give us your running history background? How did you get to this point? Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, I really only started running just in general about four years ago. Um, really no athletic background coming up from high school or college or anything like never really played sport. Actually, the only sport I played was golf. And, you know, some may say that's a sport, right? So uh, never really got into athletics too much. And uh, long story short, just kind of got into a, a bad place mentally in my life where, you know, I was feeling anxiety was, you know, drinking a little too much, taking some drugs, like just not really pleased at where I was at. And I wanted to get into running as a way, you know, to help me get healthier, get sober, and ultimately just get on the the right path in my life and as we all most of us know in the ultra running world uh it kind of spiraled right like i did my first 5k i did a 10k eventually a half marathon marathon eventually until it spiraled into the ultra distance because i would see you know people who would just run hundred miles, which at the time, and, you know, still in, in my mind, even doing it, like, it's just, it's just amazing to see what the human body can do. That inspired me so much to just look at that and be like, wow, like I want to do that one day because like, that is awesome. Like the people who are doing these are so strong. They're so tough. They're so like, you know, mentally resilient. And uh, I wanted to really just have what it takes to be on there. So, um, you know, really started getting to the ultra distance around, uh, honestly, 2020 ish i did my first 50 miler at the mcdowell mountain frenzy uh out here in arizona very close to where javelina is um and then kind of like deviated into like the ironman triathlon world a bit i hated biking so much so i was like never again and uh i was like i love running so let's let's go in all on that and then this year really has been like the first year where i've gotten like serious about ultras where i ran my first 100 mile uh same year before Havli or same year this year um Havelina was my second one. So this is like my first like legit year in the sport, I would say, um, which has just been so excited and it, it's been a blast. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I see here ultra sign up. You ran that, that McDowell mountain frenzy in 2020 and then one, the Havelina hangover night runs, uh, 50 K, which was just about a month ago. It's like our 
to our annual kind of training run race uh, going into it. So congrats on that. Um, so you said this was your second 100 miler. Which other one did you do? Uh, yeah. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, my first 100 miler was Zion 100 in April. And to be honest, like with that one, I was really just kind of like testing the distance because um, I knew at the time I really wanted to go to Javelina and like I really wanted to do well. But I kind of wanted to have like a first 100 miler just to experience the distance. What is it like? Like, what is my mind going to go through? How am I going to get my nutrition up? Like, how am I going to handle like the long days on my feet? Right. So really that Zion 100 race was just trying to figure things out and see what it was and i learned so much there was so much that i did wrong so so many times where i was just so low um but i learned so much from that race that really helped me at javelina which was great ended up coming in at about like 11th overall um but didn't have a very good back half just because my nutrition just exploded and had the classic gi issues which um thankfully was it was kind of a non-factor at javelina based on learnings um but that was kind of the first time i you know really went in the distance just to test it out Nice. So uh, recapping your results here from Havelina, I see you ran a 16.36.24, which is a, it's a great time. I'm sure a big PR over Zion. Um, and what I find interesting is that was 10th male, but 20th overall, which I think just highlights how incredible the women's field was this year. 100%. And I think it's like not just indicative of like Havelina and who was there, but I think it like I mean, we've been seeing the women just crush it out there this year. I mean, just look at CCC, for example. I don't remember the exact stat, but it's somewhere around like, I think like everybody in the top 10 was faster than like second place last year, which is just insane. And like, you're seeing like a lot of women just going out and just putting up these incredible times. So like, it was so cool to see that at Javelina because I think it's just indicative of the overall sport and, you know, uh, just to see the amazing women out there, right? Like, uh, you know, even Annie Hughes out there, like going out, she finished right before me, like, uh, and just to see the field just smashing out there. I think it's so awesome to see what the women are doing, not just at Javelina, but in the sport. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about how your race played out maybe lap by lap. I mean, you're probably mixing it up with uh, a lot of these fast folks. Yeah, hundred percent. And if you look at like my Strava splits, you'll probably see I got like the fattest positive split of all time for sure. But uh, it was it was cool. And, and the reason for that was at, at lap one. I mean, the energy is just unreal. I mean, we've all seen the, the starting line of Havelina, right? You got the fire dancers, you got the, the music going, like you get that like anxious feeling. Um, but like I was like standing next to like Arlen and, and Pat and uh, even was chatting with Heather Jackson and uh, Nick, your brother there was there too. It was, it was so cool because I was like, these are people who like, I look up to in the sports so much. And it's like, I, I'm towing the line with them. And like, this is so, so cool. And I think that energy kind of got me very, very pumped up. And what happened was I was running that first lap, like neck and neck with these guys. I was pretty much. Yeah. Who were you running with? Yeah. Like, what, who was in your pack that first lap? Yeah. So on the first climb to Jackass, I was running basically that entire time from after rattle or sorry, after coyote camp to, uh, Jackass, I was running with Dakota Jones, Pat Reagan, Arlen Glick, <laughs> uh, Matt Daniels, like, like this. And I know I'm you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I'm, <laughs> I know I'm going fast. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. This is uh this is dicey Joe. Like you're, you're kind of with some big dogs right now. So, um, but honestly, like it was just so cool. Like just to be in my head and just be like, wow, like I'm, 
I'm racing with these guys. This is awesome. And we were a little far behind, right? Because I know like Jacob Puzzi, he was, he was taken off. There was a few other guys ahead, but uh, yeah, I was with that crew. And then after Jackass, we kind of split up a bit, but after that, I basically stayed on par with Pat Reagan for like the entire loop. Like he, he finished right behind me in like, I don't know, maybe, a, maybe 30 seconds. So it was a, uh, it was kind of cool to hang out with the guy who had the previous course record for uh for a whole first loop at Javelina. It's a smart man to hang with for sure. 100%. Tell the viewers out there a little bit about the course. So it's that gradual climb up. You don't really, you probably notice it not at all on loop one. And even that descent, I mean, it's about maybe eight or 900 feet between the start line and jackass at the high point. When you're coming down from jackass, does it just, it must just feel effortless and probably easy to get carried away on lap one. hundred percent. Yeah. You, you nailed that on the head. And I think it goes back to like that, that first initial climb to jackass, right? Because people know Javelina as, you know, relatively fat, uh, fast and fat, cor fast course. Right. So, uh, I mean, we see, you know, Dakota Jones putting up sub 13, you know, that's a fast course, but I think because of that, like, and, and this was something that I even underestimated before I started practicing on Pemberton is like that climb can chew you up. Like, and like to your point on the first loop, you're not feeling at all. Like, I think I was cruising up at that at like 7.45 pace, 7.30, feeling pretty good and strong. And I was like, this is great. And then on that second lap, and granted, I consciously took it back a little bit. But even so, like, my legs started to feel it a bit. And by th like three, it was chewed up. And then to, to go back to your first point on like that first downhill, especially on that first loop, when you really haven't been like too fatigued by that climb, you just kind of send it and, and you just go and like, it's still really cool out. Like you're trying to bank some miles in that cool weather. Like people are starting to pick it up around you too. So you just start running this super, super fast pace that for me, I think it did cost me personally. Um, I was running like some, you know, miles at like sub seven, which was, I thought just a little too ridiculous for, for my own, uh, my own good. Um, but yeah, it's, it just feels like this nice reprieve. And I think you just got to manage the climb and descent, even though it seems fast and flat, um, to really get ahead at Javelina. Well, it's easy to do it without much effort because just gravity's kind of taken you, but it can, like you said, it can beat you up a little bit. And it's a rude awakening on laps two and three when you realize that, okay, there's actually some significant climbing here. 100%. Yeah, I, I remember going into to loop four with uh, my uh, my pacer, Austin Horn, who's on the Air Viper team. Uh, he, I was telling him, I was like, dude, and I, I was kind of dreading the climb. And, you know, it's only like 100 like feet of gain like for every mile so to say so on paper it's like nothing but man i was dreading it like i was about to like you know summon thompson thompson peak or something like that right like i was like this is gonna be nuts because <laughs> like that that fatigue on your legs just kind of gets just so built up and like that's like one of my biggest learnings is i want to like make sure i got you know stronger legs to handle it because i got i got pretty chewed up for sure um you know coming into loop four for sure um how did your oh you got a question real quick a few questions in the chat. I'll just yeah. chime in real quick. Uh, Joe, who were you most starstruck to run against? Oh, who was I most starstruck to run against? You know, I would really think, uh, or I would say Arlen Glick. Um, so ever since I had my eyes on Javelina, I was so impressed by his, like, performance in 2021, right? He came out, like... And some people say he was an underdog. Some people say he wasn't, but like he wasn't too, too well known in the sport. And he went out and just smashed it. And not only on top of that, I mean, you look at that guy's resume. I mean, he's always at the top, placing third at Western this year, second at Run Rabbit. I mean, like the dude is just a grinder. And when you talk to him too, he's, 
he he has such an interesting perspective on the sport that I just think is so amazing. And he's got this hunger that um, I just think is infectious. And uh, so, and I was right like up next to him in the beginning, trading miles, uh, you know, with him a lot for that first loop. So I was pretty struck by Arlen uh, for sure, especially because I was like, dude, this guy won it last year. Like this is a, uh, this is so, so cool. Would you consider yourself to be an Arlen Darlin? I, I would, 100%. I would consider, yes. <laughs> Arlen, ever since I saw that at Western States, I was like, what do I need to do to get that shirt? Like, that is awesome. Yeah. I think we all, we're all in part of that fan club for sure. 100%. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one more question from the chat for you, Joe. Uh, so, Joe, you went out pretty hot. Uh, Justin chimed in, said it was a 27% positive split compared to Nick, which is about a 1% positive Ouch. split. You went out real fast. Uh, so the question is, what was the, your plan? How did and did you get caught up in the moment a bit? How did you do on nutrition, cooling? Congratulations on a great race. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the congratulations. Yeah, 27, like I said, pretty fat, positive split. 27% puts it into perspective. But yeah, I, I think I 1 million percent got caught up in the rush in the beginning. I mean, like I said, this was the first time like I'd ever even raced with big names like in, in the same race as me. So like to be up there was just like such a cool experience and, and to have that like Honestly, I, I wouldn't trade it because like that was such a special moment to me. And it was very um, it was just like so cool because when you when you have goals in the sport to like really compete at a certain level, like to see you like keeping up with certain guys who like you look up to. It's 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 something unreal. I can't even describe it. Like I, I get chills every time I think about it. So um, I wouldn't trade it. But, yeah, I think the hype kind of got into me for sure. Um, in the beginning, my plan was to run loop one around 7.45 to eight minute pace. Um, and I ended up running in like 7.35. So like went a little too hot and then it kind of cost me for, I think the rest of the race cause my legs got pretty jacked up early on. But um, yeah, it was something to learn just to cool down. I actually, you know, I work with Zach Bitter as my coach and he even mentioned, he was like, it might be smart to stay with Nick in the beginning cause he's gonna take it conservative. And uh, clearly I did not do that. So sorry, sorry about that, Zach. Um, but uh um, in terms of like cooling strategy, nutrition, uh, fueling, all those things like that, I, all those things were like, like right on the money for me. Like I did not have any GI issues. I never really felt hot. I think that just comes natural, like with the heat, like living in Arizona. I mean, I was on Pemberton and a hundred miles or hundred degrees out there. And I like with the thought process of if I, if I can cool down at a hundred degrees, I can cool down at 80 on a race day. And so, um, but I was just diligent on the cooling right every aid station put ice in cool down like don't skimp it even if you like feel like you're going to take a little bit more time um so i was on top of that which was great nutrition something i've been historically terrible at um i've never had an ultra before this one where i didn't have gi issues um but this one i switched mostly to liquid and uh gel calories so most of my nutrition was gatorade endurance or uh goo roctane or the goo gels and that was pretty much most of my calories and i did that i took 100 calories in once every 20 minutes and stayed pretty diligent on that and never really had a problem so um thankfully those two things held up um really it was just my legs and going out too hot that i think uh really really shot me in the foot or the legs pun totally intended and i guess while we're on the ticket of, or the topic of arlen while we've mentioned him recently there's been a few questions in it um uh, i know joe that you have talked to arlen i think you did a shakeout run uh Buckeye Jen mentioned the, the day before the race. Um, I guess the question is, why did Arlen run is kind of the big one because he has the Western States ticket already. 
some people are speculating he's maybe running racing too much um <laughs> well the other the other question is i guess they're looking for some insight joe yeah there's a there's i think there's three different questions asking why arlen ran this race yeah no 100 percent. and i got to talk with him a lot during the race and even after and he's he's just such a great guy so shout out to arlen just for being awesome he's such a cool dude and i've learned so much from him so just really grateful for him but I don't want to speak too much for him. He's got some pre-race interviews out there. I think on like single track podcasts where he kind of talks about a little bit more. So um, going into his own words, like that's a good one. But after talking with him and even from that interview, he said that he, you know, I mean, had an amazing year, right? Like I mentioned before, third at States, second at Run Rabbit Run, um, you know, putting up some just incredible results, right? Um, But he, according to him, he felt like he hadn't had a race recently where he felt like he really was like spent and kind of pushed it to the limit and like, finish the the or cross the finish line being like oh yeah like i get like i'm spent i'm worked i have this like i really went all out on that and so he wanted to return back to javelina to kind of have that too um i think he was also very interested in running with pat which was super cool like because you know they're both uh privy to the the faster and flatter kind of courses and obviously pat has the had the course record going into this so i think it sounded like that intrigued him a bit too um so he really just wanted to go out there and just have one last race of the year where he really felt uh, spent. And it was cool. The day after, we're both walking into lunch together, like hobbling around. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, he goes, yeah, I got what I wanted out of that race, uh, which was super cool. Yeah, I talked to him briefly at the finish line and he says he he felt a little overcooked. So hopefully he takes some downtime, doesn't try and fit anything else into the year. I think he deserves the break. I mean, you know, incredible year for him, you know, following up last season, which was amazing. But, you know, first at the jackpot ultras for the men, 1310 Western States debut, third place, run rabbit run second place, just, you know, five or six weeks before Havelina, and then another podium here at Havelina hundred. So it'd be fun to see. I'm sure he's going to be eyeing Western States in a big way next year. Yeah. hundred percent. I think he really wants to prove himself on the mountains that he could run with anyone. Yeah, hundred percent. And I feel like at Run Rabbit, it showed he could, right? I mean, that's a that's, oh yeah, that's a course for mountain people and to, and even Western, right? I mean, like Western's not uh, sure. Some people say it's net downhill, but that's a mountain runner course by any any means. So to see him yeah. go out and get third, like, yeah, I'm so excited to see what's next for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, want to switch gears real quick? Um, I do want to address the um. I guess the situation with uh, our non-binary policy at Havelina and with our second place uh, runner that got the golden ticket, Riley, um, just kind of cleared the air. I know there was a Trail Runner magazine article that went out there, but I would love to just address it directly here on the show. Um, we adopted a new non-binary policy for Havelina 100, including for the first time ever having a non-binary podium. Uh, you know, we here at Aravapa want to make sure that everyone in the community feels uh, as welcome as possible. Um, you can come as you are. I think that's that's always been part of our ethos, but we want to, you know, just continue that. Uh, and I know it's top of mind these days. So we did implement this. And uh, for those of you that don't know, on Ultra Sign Up, you can now select uh, the non-binary option for yourself if you go into your profile. And that information does flow down to race directors um, in a couple different ways. And so uh, there still is, uh, I guess your, um, and excuse me if I get any of these terms wrong, but like your biological 
uh, gender, male or female is going to be in there, and then your identified gender as well. So that information does come to race organizers now, which I think is great. Um, and for us, you know, the unique twist on this is that we do have the golden tickets, which uh, are only for the top man and woman or the top two. And so we made it, I think, pretty clear in advance that if you uh, are a non-binary athlete, but you do want to race for a ticket, just let us know in advance and, uh, you know, I'll own up to it. We did have a bit of uh, communication breakdown, I think, internally. We did not get Riley into the proper category for our live results and for our social media coverage on race day. So we do have to just issue an apology out there into the space and to, uh, especially I think to Nicole Bitter, who thought throughout the day that she was running in that second place for the golden ticket. Uh, and turns out when she reached the finish line, Riley had finished before her. So um, Riley completely deserving of this ticket was was clear that uh, they were racing for the ticket from the get-go before the gun went off. We just didn't communicate that out. So uh, I think my hope in all of this is that uh, everyone can be understanding of the situation. And, you know, we want to amplify, I think, the the hurdles and challenges that we had. And hopefully that no other race directors will uh, have the same issues at their event. So just wanted to highlight that and kind of make that known uh, just from our perspective, what happened out there. And if you have any feedback for us on that or have any comments, please feel free to reach out to me uh, or our, I guess our other Aerovipa staff, but me directly would probably be the best thing to do for that. So anything to add on that, Bryce? No, I, th I think okay. you said it well. I think, yeah, there was some confusion, confusion race day, and it kind of took a little bit after the race to kind of get that all clarified and yeah i think from the outside it, it might have looked as though riley raced and was like oh uh, look how well i'm doing i actually want to switch my category but that is not that's not the case that was uh, an error on our end so we do apologize for that yep. um, but yeah shout out to ultra sign up for taking initiative on this i know that uh we so we did have two non-binary athletes that started the race, one finished. So Willow uh, Doldy, who was run Havelina before, I think this is their fourth finish, did win the, the non-binary podium and uh, is actually listed in the results uh, with non-binary category, which is, I think, a first for ultra sign-up. So thank you to them for being part of this. And I think that's all I have on that. So cool. What is next for Havelina 100? I threw this in there. I don't know. What do you think is next for Havelina 100? What do you, what do you guys want to see as our as our guests out there? Where do we go from here? We just celebrated our 20th running. This is the 15th year that Aerovipe has been part of it. Are we on the right track? I think so. Yeah, I think I mean everything can evolve, but as far as like just keeping the energy and growing with the times like I think the new athletes coming in are going to give it that fresh life naturally. I don't think there's much to force, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's been fun with, and feel free to chime in, Joe, uh, having Havelina as part of the, well, we were part of the Ultra Trail World Tour for a few years, and then having the Western States Golden Ticket, I think, has added a new element. And, and we saw a, definitely a little bit of a bump up in the competitiveness last year, and this year was just 
a whole nother level with, I think quite a few people saying this is maybe the second most competitive ultra of the year. And yeah. Yeah. At 80 degrees. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> that <was> nice. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think what, what y'all are doing with the content is just amazing because people see that race like and they like even for me when they were seeing my stories and everything, they were like that. Like, I don't even run and I want to like I want to run this race like this is insane. <laughs> like, it, I, and I think bringing the content out to the masses, which the Aravipa team just did, I just think excellent this year. Um, I think it's going to have more people just, you know, come into Javelina, whether it's to race or support or be there, or spectate and just getting it out there. So I think uh, you are all doing an amazing job with it. And I think the content side is incredible. In terms of the field, one thing I'm interested in is because I think obviously Dakota Jones, right? I think he was the most uh, interesting story coming in, right? Mountain runner, guy who's, you know, he's he's all about the vert. He's all about, you know, getting up there and, and getting steep. And Javelina really isn't a race he's familiar with. I'm curious to see if next year we see a little bit more mountain runners out on the field trying to get into states, um, seeing that Dakota went out, pulled off the course record, and maybe some other people like who are more used to like the, the mountainous kind of races come out and be like, hey, if Dakota can do it, maybe I can do it. And I think that could shake things up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, he probably dropped like a five hour, 100 mile PR yeah. this weekend. 100%. And I think it suits him, right? Like that, that climb we mentioned before to him, it's probably nothing. And he was ripping up that. So uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be curious to see what happens next year. I think that'll be cool. And I think it's only going to get more competitive and more awesome. So uh, yeah, I'll be there next year. I know that for sure. Because it's uh, nice. it is the best race I've ever been a part of. Yeah, shout out to Dakota, not only for winning, and it's another notch in the normal belt, right? Like they've had so many victories this year in their brand new footwear, um, but also for doing it in a costume. I mean, it was a subtle costume, kind but of. what's that? <laughs> kind of a costume. Kind of. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> I get it, but it's still it's still cool to see, you know, the race winner take part. I know Hal Kerner one year, um, the year that he won and set the course record, he had kind of like, uh, shredded the bottom of his shirt and added a little bit of flair. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, uh, for my last loop and this was all, first of all, shout out to Shelby, uh, Farrell from Coros. She was my par- pacer for loop five, but she dressed up as Ben light and had like the beard and I dressed up as uh Mike and I had like the glasses and, uh, we ran, mo- she ran like, you know, seven miles with that beard, which is just so impressive. Like, I don't know how. Um, and I ran most of the miles with the, the, um, uh, with, with the glasses on, but I was eating carbs and I told the uh, people, I was like, don't tell Mike. Cause I think he's going to get upset, but uh shout out to Shelby for the amazing costume idea and for being an awesome pacer. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I think we were going, I forgot to bring it up myself, but, um, that is super cool. Did I get it? Did I hear it right? That she started in the opposite direction as you, and then met up with you. Well, I mean, that would have been uh, that would have been fun if that was the case. I actually. Oh, OK. Yeah, no. But uh, I know because like the whole joke was like that was a joke that we were having because we were like, why don't we just like really go all in on this costume and I'll just meet you halfway. Um, but I was hurting at loop five. And I think uh, having not having her on that first climb for Jackass would have been pretty miserable. So uh, we decided to go on the same loop. But that would have been that would have been like chef's kiss on the costume for sure. Nice. That's smart. I'm going to throw it over just to the TV screen real quick to give people a view. Oh, yeah. We're going to show. So we were talking about uh, he was talking about his costume was uh, he dressed up like Michael McKnight and his pacer <laughs> dressed up like Ben White with like the full that's beard good. and everything. Oh, that's <laughs> so it's so it looks like I mean, Joe didn't go out of this costume, so he changed mid race at the cruise station. 
He's got like the Michael McKnight glasses on. Oh, that's funny. Oh, there's Brian Montgomery out at Jackass. <laughs> he got the glasses. They're so, yep, they're on point. It's like the most iconic thing probably about Mike McKnight. Yeah, in the bucket that's hat. That's a good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Low carb runner. Yeah. Eating carbs, just smashing the carbs late into loop five. Yep, yep. And there's, and there's the beard. So when 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 Joe finished, uh they both came through the shoot and I, I went over to say hi, say congrats. And I was talking to Shelby. I, I'm not exaggerating for at least 30 seconds to a minute before I realized it was Shelby. Like the <laughs> was, so I didn't know who I was talking to. Like, I was just like, nice job. You got him in. And then, Oh, it's that's, Shelby. That's yeah. great. Awesome. Well, we want to touch base real quick before we wrap up the show. Um, upcoming things to note with Aravipa. So we've got our desert runner trail series kicking off a week from Saturday with the past mountain trail runs. We've got over 500 people coming out. So we still have room um, anywhere from 5K up to 50 miles. It's the second year of the 50 mile course and crossing our fingers, we're hoping for great weather. We had, it's actually hotter at Pass Mountain than it was at Havelina last year, which is crazy. It was like 90 degrees out that day. So we're hoping for a cool down. Yep, I remember that. And Bryce will be racing the whole series this year. We're hoping to do some additional content coverage more in line with Havelina this year. So stay tuned. If you've never seen much about that series from afar, we hope to do a lot of coverage and really talk to a lot of athletes that are running with us this year. Uh, we also have uh, the Tucson Marathon incoming. And I'm teasing that we have a course change this year. So we've been working very hard on this. I know that it is close to the race, so I hate to spring a new course on people with a month to go, but we're gonna do it to you anyways. So I think I think it'll be nice. Um, it has slightly less climbing than the previous course, way improved logistics. We've got enough parking at the finish line for everyone. We have better start line activations. So bear with us, be patient. Uh, there might be a couple hiccups in the first year, but I guarantee you it's going to be a good time. And then fixed time events, we have our Fat Ox runs and across the years coming up. So uh, a couple fun fixed time opportunities, of course, Desert Solstice as well. Um, but Bryce, I want you to talk about our last person standing at across oh. the years. Uh, we don't know if we're going to keep this forever because it seems like each year we only get about 15 people, but we're going to give it another shot here. And Bryce has been cooking up some competition over there. Throw it to the webcam here. So, yes, uh, the last person standing at across the years. Um, talked to a couple folks who might be jumping in who are a little bit higher profile runners. I think I might be jumping in myself. The format is a little bit different than most last person standing events, as I understand. So, the traditional backyard event uh, is going to be a four mile loop that or four point one, four point something that you complete in one hour. So you have to be done with this loop and you have to be started on your next loop in one hour. Across the years, it's one mile and you have 15 minutes to do it, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, slightly over one mile, yep. And uh, so this is gonna be at Camelback uh, Stadium, which is like a state-of-the-art baseball stadium. It's really cool, you're running around like ponds and stuff on a mix of like pavement and gravel. Uh, but yeah, so it's basically you just, people just keep running until one remains. Um, 
And I don't know last year. I want to say, did it go over 100 miles last year? Yeah, Jeff Geiermeyer is like maybe 115 or 120. And then two years ago, we did about 135. Nice. Okay. So, so we're hoping the goal this year is to get to 200 miles minimum. That's, I know I, the rumor, the word on the street, heard it through the grapevine. Jeff Garmeyer might be shooting for 200 miles there. Uh, I'm hoping we get some of the Air Viper Racing team members out there. Uh, Pete Mortimer. Shout out Pete, who's going to be trying to do 10 Humphrey Summits this Saturday. So if you're looking to... That was weird seeing him without his beard. Right? Yeah. (laughs) It was trippy. Yeah, Pete Mortimer (laughs) shaved his beard for Havelina to go as the lead singer of the Ramones, and he pulled it off very nicely, but... He's always crushes his costumes at Havelina. Yeah. Every single year. It's great. But he might be a last person standing. Like I'm saying, these are rumors. I can't speak for these people. <laughs> can't but... confirm or deny. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to shout out. Speaking of Desert Solstice, Scott Trayer, uh, who, as we know, just set the course record at Havelina 100K and is going to shoot his shot at Desert Solstice this year, as he, as he spoke about on last week's program or two weeks ago program. It sounds like him and Pete Kostelnik, we might have a Camille sighting. I'm now starting more rumors. They are going to be doing a six-hour approximate training run on the track, I think at Marcos Deniza in Tempe this weekend. So stay tuned. We will hopefully put something out on our social media. But he's talking about making it kind of an open-ended training run. So if you want to come out, share some eight-minute miles for six up to six hours with Scott or Pete. Maybe Camille is going to have a showing. It sounds like a really cool event if you just want to come out and see what it takes as these guys and gals train for Desert Solstice. Just such a mental challenge. I mean, running around a track for that long. And yeah. it's cool that Pete Kostelnik and we got, I mean, uh, Scott, of course, lives here. But, it, I mean, I've seen Pete a couple times just, like, running around neighborhoods and stuff. And it's cool just, like, bouncing into him out here. So, it's yeah, that's exciting. I didn't realize that they're going to be doing that training run out there. Yeah, nice. Um, any last questions or quick takes before we kind of wrap up the show? Uh, jackpot. Should probably mention jackpot. See, chiming in the chat there with Matt. So jackpot's coming up as well. Yeah, we also have jackpot as as part of our events now. So we have our first event in Nevada coming up in the first weekend in March. So that's up to a forty-eight hour. We'd love to have you join for that one as well. And then I guess closing here, we just got a chat message from Lottie herself. Nice. Said hopped in here way too late, but just wanted to say huge thanks to the whole Aravipa team for an amazing event. Congrats to Brittany and Joe oh, on you. both of your races. Thank you. Sweet. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's all I got for this one. Awesome. No quick takes? Uh, oh, should we do? Maybe I got a couple quick takes. We'll do real, it real quick. quick. Okay. Why not? So let's see. Oh, we got showdown started up here. We don't want to oh, yeah. So let's see what we got. Oh, yeah. We are going to do a live with um, Eric and Krista, who had failed attempts on the FKT yes. on the Arizona Trail on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. That'll be, I think, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. We'll probably do a live show. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Super excited to talk to both of them. I mean, going for the Arizona Trail FKT unsupported, like, yeah. You have to be mental strong, even just to, like, I feel like start that and know what you're getting into. Uh, quick takes. I'm going to pop it onto the TV here. I only have a couple. Uh, looks like we had another unusual animal attack. <laughs> uh, but this one was a runner who was just doing park loops and then started getting swooped by an owl. Actually got like her hat like clawed off is what it sounded like. Um, and I've actually personally had an experience being chased by an owl when I was walking like a small dog. 
and I had Ooh, it fly like snap. tree to tree at night, like right above us, just staring at us. You know, she's there's a lot wizard. Of What's that? If she's a wizard. <laughs> yeah. Trying to let her know. <laughs> uh, so that, and then I wanted to shout out Trail Gangsters because they're always putting out some amazing content on Instagram. So they put out the Halloween trail running starter pack. <laughs> they got French Jim in there. What does that say? Beginner French wine buzz. More chest. Oh, yeah. He has been wearing like the zip down shirts lately, huh? Notice What's that. that all about? That's different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. I clicked the wrong button. I meant to go. He, he did also... do a Havelina song, though, right? He didn't? Yeah, he did. He did, he did do a Havelina. Yeah, we should probably check that out. Dean Carnassus. Oh, no. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. Ouch. Yep. We got the fake blood. Professional runner will work for free. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited naps, daily training vlogs. Basic roadie. Vapor flies for daily Speaking runs. of vapor flies, that was the Nick Curry secret shoe. Was it? Yeah. I didn't realize so that. So he ran the first 100K in vapor flies, mm -hmm. and then he switched to a Skechers road shoe after that. Of course. He's all over the place. Is that the last one? Or there's one more. Oh yeah, Courtney DeWalter. Right on. Let's see. Oh, Jeff in the chat. Bryce, will you be doing the fifty, the McDowell fifty miler? I'm going for the fifty k at McDowell. I'm thinking I'm going to do a few fifty k's. So excited for the dirt series. Like it's such a unique event or series of races where you can have it in different parks all around one city. Couldn't be more excited for the dirt series. But I'm hitting all fifty k's through that. Is the plan as of now? nice um but yeah those are my quick takes if awesome. you want to see an awesome rap video you can try to head over to trail gangsters they're popping out rap videos all the time for sure uh well any closing thoughts from Brittany here today um well i'm so grateful that you guys put this on every year and you keep that energy up every year it's i've never been to a bad one um i can't wait to do it again um yeah and thank you for having me on i have no clue how i got chosen out of the bazillion <laughs> of them but I'll take it. <laughs> nice. What's uh, what's your next race? I'm going to do Bryce. I haven't picked a distance yet, though. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. And uh, check in with Joe real quick before we dip out. Yeah. Joe. Well, I just want to say thank you both for having me on here, for doing everything you're doing with Javelina and for the race community. I mean, as Brittany said, like the event is just so awesome, and I'll be there next year for sure, too. So uh, it's such an honor to, to be on here, to be racing with you all. And, uh, yeah, it's just super, super stoked for what, what you're all doing next race oh man i guess this is the official announcement so i haven't officially announced it yet so i was mulling this one over but uh brianna grigsby uh really convinced me to to throw my hat in the ring but i'll be going for uh the black canyon 100k in february so uh we'll see I'll make another stab at the ticket i'll be it i'll have to get a little faster at a shorter distance but uh you know i train on the course for javelin i can train on the course here and we'll, we'll see what happens you heard it here first, Joe, going for that golden ticket. Well, hopefully we'll be seeing you out at some of the Black Canyon training runs coming up, which, by the way, are kicking off in November. It should be the weekend before Thanksgiving. will be our first one. So we'll have three different runs covering the entire 100K course. It's Sweet. already November. I know. My goodness. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot of exciting Trail Talk live shows coming up. And we are starting to clip these out on YouTube. So keep an eye out. We're going to, if you don't, or if you can't catch our entire show, 
Uh, we will have it audio available on Steep Life Media, on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or you can also catch clips on our YouTube channel. We'll piece out some of these conversations into more bite-sized chunks. Till next week, we'll see ya.